0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. This is a podcast about the two E's, ethics and etiquette. I realized that these topics had not been covered to the extent that I felt they should. So, I'm going to begin with ethics, the first E. Now, ethical considerations typically involve the moral tension between right and wrong. Now, ethics, in quotations, means different things to different people. But don't be fooled into believing that your version of what's ethical and what isn't ethical will keep you out of trouble. It won't. Now, although the definition of ethics may vary from person to person, the injury to the moral judgment about right or wrong is at the heart of the analysis and it drives the result. Now, at its foundation, it's the belief that civilized people, like I'm sure we hope we all are, should conduct themselves with honesty and integrity. Now, I for one try to. Now, this is a code of conduct that dictates that individuals decide what is right and what is wrong and how they live their lives. Now, everyone may not be on the same page and we understand that there may be shades of gray. These shades of gray where ethical considerations are involved do not drive the results. Because the gray really shouldn't be overwhelming. The gray should be discernible, but the person making the ethical determination should recognize it as gray and land, as far as decision-making, on the side of right, as opposed to the side of wrong. Now, when we talk about business ethics, we also talk about what's right, wrong, and fair, and just in the business world. You may know that Some businesses are not ethical. Those are the ones that you don't want to work for. Now, ethics in the business world, as I said, are based on decisions made by business people, employees, leaders, executives, employees at all levels. And it's made during the course of their daily activities in the workplace. And although unethical conduct doesn't always result in an illegal act. Unfortunately, sometimes it's a fine line. And that's what you want to avoid. Let me give you an example. A salesman submits a large order for merchandise to a customer who he or she knows is near bankruptcy. And the salesman knows with some degree of certainty that this customer won't be able to pay for the merchandise. Now, the salesman also knows that by the time his sales manager confirms that the customer can pay or won't pay, the salesman will have received his commission and credits toward the annual Most Productive Salespeople Award, which is a trip to St. Bart's. You know, so we're clear there may be some other perks, some other quarterly prizes or, or recognition given for achieving this sales quota. So you see, the salesman plans to leave the company immediately after he returns from St. Mark's. So now, obviously, the salesman's conduct may not be considered illegal. But it certainly is unethical. So now your objective is to stay out of an orange jumpsuit. And we know what an orange jumpsuit signifies or represents. You want to stay out of jail, out of prison. Now, you also want to avoid the taint that's associated with unethical behavior. Because it's just as important to your reputation as staying out of prison. You want to maintain as pristine a reputation and personal brand as you possibly can. And you want to have that reputation and brand enhance your goals and enhance the likelihood that you will achieve success and be respected the objective and this is important the objective of your employment search is to have a successful career with an employer who among other things is not only profitable stable and stable but ethical so it's up to you to do the work necessary to determine whether or not the employers that you're considering seeking employment from a reputable people of integrity so you don't have any ethical, unethical experiences. Now, the research you conduct about prospective employers should give you some indication about the profitability and the stability of the company that you're looking into, as well as whether or not their published reports Or online records, court records, and other um, other documents about the company that raise issues of ethical or illegal concerns. You have to do the work, and it's important. I can't stress that enough. Now, after you're hired, your work is still ongoing. You want to pay attention to whether there is conduct in the workplace that may be unethical. For example, if you hear phrases that describe your employer's workplace as, quote, an audit-rich environment, consider that description a red flag. You try to find out more by monitoring online references to your company, but it could be that something is amiss, but don't get it twisted. Don't Rush to judgment and conclude that your employer is disreputable based on what may have only been a stray comment. Instead, pay attention to what goes on around you, what people are saying, what you overhear, what people in other departments are saying, and make plans as the situation dictates. Ask yourself, Are the communications between senior executives and employees consistent with the executive's actions? Or do they say one thing and do another? Do your coworkers say that they're not employees because among other things, they're not receiving benefits but have been working for the company and by your side for more than two years? Are there coworkers who speak with a heavy accent or don't speak English but are working with you at your side or in the same department for more than a year? Do you have firsthand knowledge or is there otherwise reliable, and the operative word is reliable, information that senior management lies to employees, customers, and stockholders? Another question to ask yourself, are there hourly employees work overtime but don't receive overtime pay. And finally, according to the office grapevine, which by definition is not always reliable, does your employer engage in criminal conduct, such as giving kickbacks to third parties, bribing public officials, or filing false information or financial reports? Now, if the answer is yes to one or more of these questions you may be employed by a business that is violating federal and state laws in connection with securities, immigration, and wage and hour legal matters. If you're asked to engage in conduct that violates a criminal or civil law or that you reasonably believe violates a criminal or civil law, you should calmly and politely excuse yourself Because you're not feeling well, then you leave and you seek advice from someone you trust. Uh, If you think there's a legal issue involved, make sure it's not anyone. You don't talk to anyone at work about it. You contact the American Bar Association or your state bar association and ask for a recommendation, they may be able to give you a list of attorneys who specialize in the area of law that is at issue and also check to see whether or not there's a local law school that has a clinic program in which law students with supervision handle legal matters. If your suspicions are true, begin to plan your exit. Begin by checking the company's website to obtain a sense of its core values and whether there's an ethics program. There's an ethics program. Maybe there's a a complaint procedure that will offer you some protection. Uh, Media sites like um, LinkedIn may be helpful. But if you are not sure, if you're not comfortable, if you think that there may be some Inappropriate conduct going on that may result in you getting into trouble. Go home and tell your parents, tell your an older person with some experience and let them guide you. Do not try to handle it yourself. And as I said, don't get it twisted, don't rush to judgment. The work has to be done to determine whether or not your suspicions are valid. They may not be. There may be a reasonable explanation for what's going on because remember, you have limited information. Information is usually shared in companies on a need-to-know basis, and you may not have all the information. What appears inappropriate to you may not be inappropriate. But if after doing the research, And I mean online, even print media. If you can find any information about your company, if talking to people at the office or at the place of business without divulging your suspicions, remember, gather information. Don't give any information. That's the end of my tutorial on ethics. Now moving on to the next E, etiquette. Of course, there's always workplace etiquette to become familiar with regardless of whether you think your position is permanent and whether or not you work in a factory or an office. Wherever you work, there is etiquette to follow to receive the job offer you want in the first place. Now, although technology may drive the recruiting process, other aspects of achieving employment success either haven't changed or have changed only so slightly. You may not want to hear this, but old fashioned manners are still important. They're so important that the lack of manners can result in an applicant being passed over for a position. Now, let me go into old-school familiarity. Being familiar with the rules of etiquette is essential. You don't want to give anyone the impression that you're not ready for prime time because you put your napkin under your chin at a business dinner or you picked your teeth with your fingernail because that kernel of corn was driving you crazy. Now, you can purchase books about etiquette that will give you the information that you need. There's a, a series of books that are easily accessible. I'll give you the names of them. Some of them, I've given these as gifts. And that's what I was going to say. If you can't afford to buy these books, go to your public library to see if they have them. And if they don't have them, ask the librarian to consider ordering them or ask for them as a gift. As I said, I've given these books as gifts, and I'll tell you a story about the people I've given them to, because they thought that I was saying something about their lack of etiquette. The names of the books are How to Be a Gentleman, uh, which is a contemporary guide to common courtesy, How to Be a Lady, a contemporary guide to common courtesy, as a gentleman would say which are responses to life's important and sometimes awkward situations, and also, as a lady would say, responses to life's important and sometimes awkward situations. Now, the Emily Post etiquette, the 18th edition, comes in hardcover or paperback. That is a comprehensive modern guide to managing yourself in public which is a comprehensive modern guide to managing yourself in polite society you may need to invest in that but the series of books that i described before are are called gentle uh, manners and they're easy to carry they're quick references for social situations now i gave those books to i gave one book to each of two young men that i'm very close to and one of them asked their mother, uh, "Doesn't Aunt Beverly think that I know I'm a gentleman?" And the, his mother said, "No, she knows you're a gentleman, but sometimes you may be in a situation and you're not sure what to do." That's it. No one knows what to do all the time, but you need a go-to reference. And if you don't have one, go to the internet. Another young man, I gave him and his brother the book for their birthdays, and. He didn't use it until he got a girlfriend and he had been invited to the girlfriend's house for dinner and he didn't know what to do he went to the book and he knew to take the girlfriend's mother flowers so like i said check with your public library and if you can't find it there and they won't order it go online and see what you can find maybe you can find a used book that will be cheaper but Sometimes just the internet will provide some guidance on what to do in um, business and social situations. Now, there's table etiquette. Now, think of yourself at a networking or work-related event or occasion where coworkers are in attendance and good table manners are necessary. What you don't do is you don't reach across the table for anything. Instead, you ask the nearest person to pass it to you. You place your napkin in your lap, not under your chin. You know, I said that to someone, put the napkin in your, in your lap. And he said, why do I have to do that? I'm not dropping anything. I'm going to eat everything on this plate. No, you sit down, you put your napkin on your lap not under your chin, and not you don't leave it to the side of your plate. You put it in your lap. Now, there's some areas of communication where etiquette is associated with emails and texts. For emails, you don't draft and send an email when you've been drinking. Now, I don't know whether that's etiquette. That's just common sense. I don't care how well you think you hold your liquor. It isn't a wise move. Wait until you're sober. Now, another thing, individuals you contact by email should retain the same or better quality of interaction you give individuals on the telephone or face-to-face. No typos, no abbreviations. If this is a business communication, you should put your best foot forward. You only use high importance, the high importance icon for time-sensitive messages, where it's important for you to receive a response. You never use all lowercase or all uppercase letters, and you write your message as you would say it if the person were in front of you, but you don't use slang and or inappropriate language. You use the rules of punctuation and grammar. You don't rely on program features like spell check. You make sure that what you're sending is the best you can do. You want to also, so that it's easy to read, include a space between each paragraph. And before you hit send, read the message out loud, the entire message so that you know that it says what you mean for it to say. There was or is, I'm not sure it's still there, there's a a website that has a cell phone and uh, texting etiquette tips. So you might want to Google that. For cell phone and texting, you want to use electronic devices Considerately. If you have to take a call and you're at a business dinner, excuse yourself and go out into the hall or outside the restaurant where you can speak to the person calling without disturbing your dinner companions. During interviews at work and during related events, you turn off your cell cell phone or set it on vibrate. And if it vibrates, don't get up to answer it. Don't even excuse yourself to answer it. It let you know it's alerted you that there's a call when the interview is over. If there's another interview that follows, say you have to use the laboratory, go into the laboratory and return the call if it's so important. But otherwise, you let those cell phone calls go to voicemail during interviews. Whatever happens, find a private place to make cell phone calls and do so in a quiet voice so that other people are not privy to your conversation. Those are just the high spots of the two E's, ethics and etiquette. I hope this has been helpful to you. Please consider purchasing my book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at independent bookstores. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support, and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at BA Williams at your employment matters.com. My book Get the Job Done is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.